Communion is a regular opportunity to renew and update our relationship with Jesus. This message is entitled, The Beauty of Communion. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Welcome this weekend to Church of the Redeemer. So glad that you're here. If this is your first time with us, we want to give you a very warm welcome. Thanks for sharing this weekend with us in worship and also in the Word of God that we're about to study together. If you're a regular, welcome back. So good to be together. Even though we're in this online season, it's great to be able to worship together as families, as friends, connecting with one another uh, via the internet. So we're glad that you're here. Before we get started in today's message, let's have a word of prayer together, asking God to speak to us our hearts, our lives today, that we would be prepared to hear what he wants to say to us this day. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness to us. We thank you for your mercies. Your grace is beyond anything that we can imagine. We welcome your presence into this place today. We ask that you would work in every heart and every life. We ask God that our spirits would be receptive to all that you want to say to us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're involved in the very first weekend of a new month. It's hard to believe we're into the month of September. And as we're heading into this brand new month, we're going to talk today about a very important aspect of our spiritual journey. I want to talk to you about communion. At the end of today's service, we are going to be sharing communion together. So I would invite you, if you would, maybe one of the members of your family can grab some bread, some juice, and be prepared so that at the end of the service, we can celebrate together. But I want to talk to you about the beauty of communion, the beauty of communion, what it means, why it's valuable to our lives. And it's very important to understand that tables are a vital part of relationship. If you think about being with people that you love, oftentimes what you'll do is you'll share a meal together. You'll go out to eat, you have something at your home, but there's a table that is set. And at that table, oftentimes you will invite people around that you love, that you care for, that you're concerned about, that you want to spend time with. Or if you want to get to know someone uh, in a new way, in a fresh way, sometimes that's always related to a meal. You share a meal together. And we prepare for our meals. I know that my wife is very meticulous when it comes to planning for a meal at our house. If we're having a holiday celebration and the family is coming over, she lays out the table in such a beautiful way. And I'm like, well, just put the plates out. No, she wants to put a tablecloth out and she wants to get all the place settings there because it's not just a matter of a table. It is the table, a table of relationship and a table of fellowship. Even when you go out to eat, think about it. When you go out to eat somewhere, uh, if you're going to a fast food restaurant, you don't expect to have linen tablecloths. But if you go to some place that's a fine dining institution, you expect there to be nice linen tablecloths and the table to be properly set for you. I want to talk to you today about a table that has been set for you and me, and it is the table of the Lord. The Bible talks to us about the value of the table of the Lord. It's also known as communion. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to take a look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. I'm going to be, excuse me, 23 through 34. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And so just listen as I read this wonderful passage that describes for us this table that Jesus has set for you and me. And in just a moment, we'll begin to unpack this to understand more about the beauty of communion. Paul writes these words inspired by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says. For I received from the Lord, that's the Lord Jesus, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. Now, where do you find bread? You find it at a table. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please capture that phrase. You might want to circle it if you're taking notes. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup. Again, the cup is on the table. After supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's that phrase again. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, or the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on themselves. I'll talk about that more in a moment. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves, truly we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, when you come to the table, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. I'm going to break today's message, the beauty of communion, down into two basic segments with, with subsequent parts in both of these segments. First of all, I'm going to share with you seven what? Seven things that you need to know, oh, excuse me, six things you need to know about communion. What is communion? What's the what of communion? And then I'm going to give you three things that relate to the why. Why should I partake of communion? Why is it so important in our lives? So from this passage, let's take a look at the six things that we need to understand about communion. What is communion? The first thing that we understand about communion from Paul's words here is that it was established by the Lord Jesus. He's the one that established this table of celebration. Paul's word says, I receive from the Lord, uh, uh, along with uh, Jesus' example in Matthew chapter 26, where the night is, he's going to be betrayed and turned away from his disciples and taken away and ultimately crucified. He has and shares this meal together with them. So it's something that was established by Jesus. It's not something established by by church. It's not something that was established by a human being. It was established by Jesus himself. He's the one that ordered and established this thing called communion. Second of all, the thing you need to know about communion is something that you and I need to celebrate consistently. The Bible says that as often as you eat this bread and as often as you drink this cup. Now, what is often? Well, it's been debated what is often. Uh, what does it mean? Well, there's no specific frequency that's mentioned here, but often means it's a regular part of your life. Here at our church, we generally celebrate communion the first Sunday of every weekend or first weekend of every month, I should say. And so we, we come together as a, as a family of believers that first weekend of every month, and we celebrate communion along with other special times of the year, the Christmas season, the Easter season, Good Friday, and special occasions. So that is our often. That is our regularity. And other churches celebrate it perhaps a bit differently. Some every weekend will celebrate communion. There's no specific time focused on communion, but it needs to be a regular thing that is consistently celebrated. The third thing that you need to know about communion, it's a table, as we noted a moment ago, of remembrance. It's where you remember certain things. So it's vital, you know, oftentimes when you come to a family table, one of the things that will happen in family conversations is family remembrances. So the family starts talking about, do you remember when we did this? Do you remember when we did that? And so quite often around a table, there are remembrances of something in the past that has relevance for the present and provides a sense of expectation for the future. The same is true when we come to the table of communion. We are to remember certain things. We're to remember Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection. 
the fact that he shed his blood for our sins. And we'll come back to some of these things in a moment. But the table is not to be something that's just you come to and you don't think about anything. No, you come to the table of the Lord and it's a table of remembrance. Number four, it is a table of celebration. I think a lot of folks don't really understand this. And there's a reason for it, I think, that I'll come to, as I said, in just a bit. But the table of communion, it's, it's a celebratory thing. It's not something that's to be uh, come, uh, addressed or experienced in a sad or mournful way. It's not something you're to come to with a sense of dread or some kind of horrible anticipation of God judging you in some way. No, the table of communion is a table of celebration. It is a table of joy. It is, it is a celebration of the victory of Jesus Christ that he won on the cross of Calvary and that he proved to be real in his resurrection. The fifth thing that you and I need to understand about the what, the what of communion. What is communion? It is a sacramental meal. Let me pull that word sacramental out for a moment. It is one of the, the sacraments of the church. You might hear that term sacrament. What does it mean? Well, the word sacrament means that you're placing your trust in something in a way that it has potential powerful impact in your life. It's not a meaningless exercise. It is sacred. When you speak of something being sacramental, you mean that it is sacred. It is something that is holy. It doesn't necessarily mean that the particular elements are somehow unique because we are eating common bread and drinking juice, their bread and their juice, but there's something about the way we approach it that makes it sacred, that makes it sacramental, that attaches by our faith meaning to it and brings about grace in our lives as we partake of it. It is a sacramental meal. And then I want to share this last point with you before we go to our second aspect of this. And I want you to understand that the table of the Lord is something that is, needs to be defined as a table of love. It is a table of love. I think oftentimes we have a mistaken view of the table of God, the, the fact that this communion table is, is there presented for us. As I mentioned a moment ago, sometimes people are very afraid to take communion. I've had people ask me before, is it okay for me to take communion? Well, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, yes, it's okay to partake of communion because it is a table of the Lord. And to many people, it represents guilt, it represents condemnation, it represents judgment. That was never the way it was designed to be for you and me. It was designed to be a table of experiencing the love of God in our lives. There's nothing greater, nothing more wonderful than God's love. So when you come to the table of communion, you are coming to a table of love. So let's review just for a moment. This is really kind of a practical lesson. There's some things you need to understand in your spiritual life. So what is communion? If someone came to you and asked you this week, hey, explain what this communion thing is all about. Let me give you again these six things. It was something that was established by Jesus, not by us. It's something that is to be consistently celebrated on a regular basis by Christian believers. It is a table where you and I need to remember certain things, remember what Jesus did for us. It is a table not of doom and gloom, but it is a table of celebration. It is a sacramental meal. It means that there's something sacred about it, not because the elements are necessarily sacred, but because we approach it with a sacredness of heart. We're making this something special. There's faith applied to it. And anytime faith is applied to the partaking of something Jesus has asked us to do, grace is released into our lives. And then it is a table, again, not of condemnation, not of fear, but a table of love. We're coming 
to celebrate and fellowship with Jesus at a table that is actually created in an atmosphere of his love for us. The very fact that he gave his life on the cross of Calvary and what we celebrate at communion is a demonstration of his love for God. So love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me add this one final thing here before we go to the next section. The only thing that is essential, the primary thing that is essential to celebrate communion is that you need a personal relationship with Jesus. See, it's about celebrating Jesus in your life. It's not a formal, ritualistic, religious thing that you do that'll get you to heaven. Taking communion is not going to get you to heaven. You can take communion all day long, seven days a week, 365 days a year for the rest of your life, and taking communion is not going to get you to heaven. A lot of folks have that idea as well. No, taking communion is not about something you do. It's not a work that you do that gets you something from God. It is a relational aspect of your life because you already know God because you've invited Jesus Christ into your life. So there's only one primary requirement to sit at the table of the Lord, and that one primary requirement to sit at the Lord's table is to have invited Jesus Christ into your life. And if you've never done that, you can actually do that today. You can actually do that right now. You can say to to Jesus, even in this moment, I'm a sinner. I acknowledge my sin. I need you to be my savior, Jesus. I'm asking you to come in and forgive me of my sins. And I receive you by faith into my life. And the moment that you do that, you're born into the family of God. And anyone that's in the family of God is welcome to the family table. So it's vital to understand that. Now let's talk about Uh, For the next few moments, we've laid out some what's of communion. What is communion all about? I gave you six of those. I'm going to take just a few moments and talk to you about the why of communion. What's in it for us? Why should we partake of communion? What is the value to you and me? And the first point of this element of the message is that it's important to understand that communion actually has a purpose for your life. It serves a purpose for you. There's something that actually is accomplished. And understanding the why behind something makes the what more valuable to you. So we, we have to understand this why. If you don't understand the why, you'll, you'll never make communion important in your life. You might totally disregard it, or you might just have a shallow participation in it when it happens, or, or perhaps you just go, go through the process and you take the communion cup and the bread and it's ritualistic to you. You don't really understand what it's all about. So you have to grasp this reality that communion has a purpose. Why? Why did Jesus establish this thing called communion? It's sometimes referred to as the Eucharist. It's referred to, as I said, the Lord's table. What is the purpose behind it? Listen to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26 again. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup. Notice this. How often is it? Well, it's different things for different people, but it's regular. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, notice here's the purpose. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Say that word with me, proclaim. Every time you eat of the bread, as we're going to do at the end of today's message, and drink of the cup, you are making a proclamation. What is a proclamation? A proclamation is a statement. It's taking a stand. It's saying that this is something that I believe in. I'm proclaiming with my actions 
by my participation in the Lord's, the Lord's table that this is important in my life. I'm proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. You are making a preachment. We might say that every time you and I eat of the bread and drink of the cup together as believers in Jesus Christ, we're actually portraying an illustrated sermon. We're portraying the fact that Jesus gave his body for us and Jesus shed his blood for us. It is a proclamation. We are proclaiming thanksgiving to God. God, I thank you for what you did in my life. Actually, the word Eucharist literally means the giving of thanks. Thanks for the grace of God. So you're thanking God. You're declaring, you're proclaiming, Jesus, I'm totally dependent upon you. When you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you're saying, Jesus, you are my bread of life and your blood is the lifeline for the forgiveness of my sins. You're expressing, expressing faith in the fact that Jesus is present in your life right now. Jesus, I'm eating of this bread and drinking of this cup, proclaiming my faith in you, that you are real to me. You're also proclaiming connection with the body of Christ. Listen closely. There's no such thing. The Bible never speaks of an isolated Christian. You might be isolated in the sense of perhaps your circumstance or your situation, but you're not alone in your walk with Jesus. You are a part of a community. It's extremely important that you and I connect with community. That's what church is. Church is the connection of fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, walking together in unity, in harmony. And so Jesus, his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could come together as brothers and sisters in Christ from all kind of different backgrounds and different races and different experiences of life. But we all gather around the one central figure, Jesus Christ. And as you and I eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we are unified. We're declaring our unity as a family of believers together. And the Bible also says that we're proclaiming as well the anticipation that Jesus is coming back again. I love this because every time I eat of that little piece of bread and I drink that cup, I'm making a proclamation. Jesus, I believe that one day you're coming back again. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches, that even though Jesus now is in heaven, he's now going to, he will one day come back again. He's now interceding for us at the right hand of the father. But one day the father will say, it's time for you to go back and bring all of my children home. And we live in anticipation of that day. So you're making a proclamation of thanksgiving. You're making a proclamation of dependency upon God. You're making a proclamation of your faith in Jesus for everything that you need in your life right now. You're making a proclamation that I'm in unity with the body of Christ, and you're making the proclamation that there's an anticipation that Jesus Christ is coming back again. There is a purpose to communion. You need to understand the why. It's a proclamation of your life. And then there's a second why. Communion releases God's grace and power into your life. You got to get this. This is so important. Why, why do we even celebrate communion? Well, first, it's a proclamation, and second of all, it releases grace and it releases power in your life. You say, well, how does that happen? I just eat a little piece of bread and drink a little bit of juice. What, what is that all about? Well, it, it, there's something that happens that is so vital for us to grasp. It's not a ritual that we go through. It is a 
reminder of the relationship that we have. Just as though you come to a table with your family and you're, you're not as much interested necessarily always in the food as much as you are in the fellowship. It is the connection that you have with the people around that table. And you can be eating hot dogs or filet mignon. It doesn't really matter what you're eating. What matters is you're with people that you love. And so when you come to the table of the Lord, you're coming to a table that is, that is seated not only with fellow believers, but Jesus is there. He's present at the table. There's never a time that you will come to the table of communion that Jesus will not be sitting there at the table with you to provide you grace and to provide you power. Very true. Listen again to 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing Notice that word sharing in the blood of Christ. And when we break bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? What does sharing mean? It means you get a part of it. It means you get to participate in it. And though we are many, we, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body, grace and power through the death of Jesus and his resurrection, we've been redeemed. The sacrifice of his body, the shedding of his blood has resulted in tremendous benefits in our lives. What grace, what graces are released at communion? Let me talk to you about what happens when you celebrate communion the right way. What really goes on there, your conscience is cleansed. Grace comes to cleanse your conscience from sin. Deliverance, spiritual deliverance is provided for you. I've had so many stories or heard stories from people in the past who when they come to the table of communion, they've had major breakthroughs in their life just at that moment because there's been a deliverance point for them. Your spiritual confidence is renewed. Your, your weaknesses are strengthened in that moment. It's grace and power being imparted to you. You're able to receive the peace of God that passes all understanding as you partake of the bread and drink of the cup. There's healing that is imparted to your, to your life. Spirit, soul, and body. Your fears, your insecurities are driven away. Your love for God is ignited and rekindled if you approach the table the right way. And your worship of God is enriched. Wonderful things happen when you come to the table of the Lord. Grace is imparted and power is imparted to you. So why do we partake of communion? We make a proclamation that when I eat of the bread and drink of the cup, I'm proclaiming something. I'm proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes back again. And second of all, I'm, I'm participating in, receiving, sharing in the grace and power of God to work in my life. And then thirdly, when you and I come to the table, Lord, why should we do so? What's the why behind the what? The why is that communion creates and requires of us a certain kind of preparation that we need. Communion is a moment in our spiritual journey where we have a regular opportunity to actually renew and update our relationship with Jesus. Think about it this way. Any kind of software that you want, you run, whether it's on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet, uh, oftentimes those applications will have times that there's an update. The reason there's an update is because something about the old application has either uh, not been as effective as the designers, developers would have desired, and so they want to update to greater capacities uh, for that application. But you'll find that these things need to be updated. Well, the same is true in your relationship with Jesus. Every now and then, you need an update. 
You need an update. You need a restore. You need an update with Jesus. And so communion provides this regular moment that you can come and and your spiritual journey can be tuned up. Your spiritual relationship with Jesus can be freshly updated. Now, certainly we need to be doing that every day by reading our Bible and praying and doing all those things, attending church, uh, studying God's word. Those things are all vital to our updating, but communion is a part of this as well. Let me take you back to 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 through 34. Listen to this again. Listen with the mind of updating. Whoever therefore eats eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person, notice these words, examine himself. So we're coming to the table, and what should we do at the table? We should examine ourselves then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. Let me stop there for a moment and see if I can explain this before we go to verse 32. Paul says, when you come to the table, you need to update with Jesus. You need to examine yourselves. If you don't examine yourselves, if you're walking in sin or walking at a distance from God, you're just going to the table of communion as a ritual and you're not paying attention, then sin is going to continue to have its impact upon your life and it's going to make you sick and it will actually, it can kill you. Some of you have died prematurely because you've continued in sin that you could have examined and dealt with at a communion table. So communion provides an opportunity for us to examine ourselves before God. Notice verse 32, but when you're judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. He goes on to say, don't rush into it. Spend some time preparing yourself for this moment. Take a moment and make sure you're examining yourself so you're not eating in an unworthy manner, but you're looking at where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a fairly sobering thing to think about. But it's also extremely important. In just a few moments, when you and I partake of communion together, what I want you to do is remember that as you come to this table, one of the reasons that Jesus established this table, it's the moment for you to examine yourself before him and ask him what's really going on in my life. Where are there pockets in my own life, Lord, that I haven't seen? Not somebody else. Listen, it didn't say examine somebody else. It said examine yourself. I think a lot of times we have a great capacity to try to examine other people and get other people on the examination table. We're not very good at getting on the table ourselves and examining ourselves before God and saying, God, what's really going on in my heart? Because when you stand before Jesus, you're not going to stand before Jesus on the basis of what's going on with somebody else's life. You're going to stand before Jesus on the basis of what's going on in your own life. And communion provides an opportunity for you to examine yourself and say, Lord, what's going on with me? Give you some examples of how this works in my own life. Just like I try to do on a day-to-day basis in my fellowship with God and my time of communion with him is to, first of all, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit will bring something called conviction to your life. And so often when you come to the table of communion, you take a moment and say, Lord, would you show me anything in my life that's, that's unworthy of you? Would you show me anything in my life where I've drifted from you? And don't be deceived. Everybody drifts from time to time. It's not, it's, it's, it's absolutely a reality for all of us. 
We can drift in our attitudes. We can drift in our thoughts. We can drift in our behaviors. We can drift away from God and we get cold and, uh, and, and really blind to those things. But you stop in the presence of God for a moment and say, Lord, would you, would you show me? Would you convict me of my own sin? Would you help me to see what's going on? I'm examining myself before you. And then the Holy Spirit will bring that moment. Oftentimes I find if I will open my heart to him, almost always he brings a moment of, of, of what I would call conviction and contrition. Contrition is, oh, I'm so sorry, Jesus. I see that attitude. I didn't even know that was there. I, I see that when I was doing that action, that, that was wrong. And you become aware of that. and You feel godly sorrow. That's called contrition of heart. The Bible says that a contrite heart, God will not despise. And then that should lead to the next thing, and that's confession. You confess your sins before God. God, now I'm going to own up to this sin. I'm going to agree with you that now that you've shown me something in my life that needs to be addressed, I'm going to say the same thing about my sin as you say about my sin. The word confession in the New Testament, the Greek word is homologeo. It means say the same thing about your sin as God says about it. Saying, God, I, I'm sorry, I confess this to you, and then... There's also another thing that goes along with examining yourself. You need to make sure you're in right relationship with other people. See, it's useless to come to the table and try to get yourself right if you're still carrying bitterness and resentment towards someone else. The Bible says that that's, that's contrary the heart to the heart of God, contrary to the very most important commandment. Jesus was asked one day, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so oftentimes we miss out on the power of communion because we, we don't deal with our bitternesses and our resentments toward other people. We have hardness and our heart in some relationship that we haven't been willing to let go of and release and, and forgive and extend grace to in the same way that Jesus wants to extend grace to us. And then after you've received that conviction, you've had a contrite heart, you've made confession, you've searched your heart for anything that's in you towards someone else and needs to be made right. Then you begin to thank the Lord. There's an appreciation as you're examining yourself for the grace that washes you and the grace that cleanses you and the blood that, that, that thoroughly purifies us from sin and the expectation now that I'm in right fellowship, I have updated my relationship with God. Every time that you come to the table of communion, as you go into the future, as we do in here, as we're going to do here in just a few moments, I want to encourage you to be reminded there's some what's behind communion. What is communion all about? But the whys are so important to you and me. Why do we have communion? There's a reason. There's a purpose because we now, when we take of communion, are making a proclamation of who Jesus is in our life. Not only are we making that proclamation, but there's also a, 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 a declaration, a dependency upon God, a fact that we're saying now we're going to receive that grace and power and communion for the, for the life that we need to live. And we're going to prepare ourselves so that our relationship with Jesus can be updated. And in just a few moments, we're going to have the opportunity of doing that together. But would you pray with me right now as we prepare our hearts for communion in just a moment? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had today to study and reflect, Lord, upon your word and what it teaches about communion. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that, Lord, the truth of communion would become real to us like never before. 
And Father, let us be done with ritualistic approaches to communion. Let us be done with just going through the motions. Lord, I pray that every time that we come to communion, that we would recognize that there's a why behind it, that we're proclaiming your death until you come again, that at the table of communion, that we're there to receive your grace and power. And at the table of communion, it's an opportunity for us to prepare ourselves in a new and fresh way to be updated in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. Seal this word in our heart today by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God. And I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.